This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. Welcome back to Dollars and Change on SiriusXM's Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. I'm Nick Ashburn. And I'm Catherine Klein. And we've got some sweet, sweet jams here for our re-intro music. Thank you very much, Marcus. We're here live in New York this morning, which is exciting, um, because Catherine and I are in town for the United Nations General Assembly meetings. Uh, we have a great lineup for you today. We're on to our second guest, who is... Actually, the CEO of Shake Shack, Randy Garuti, and we're going to be talking about, you know, a corporation. You know, we ha- we've actually had several corporations on. Our last guest was more on the startup. We had a, maybe a more macro view of entrepreneurship in this country, what's going well, what's going wrong. So I'm always excited to talk more about what's happening within the business. Is, yeah. it, is this a level of analysis question? Like this now we're a, within the business, no, Catherine? We are. We are. We're down at the level of a company. Of yes. a company. Yes. So thank you so much for joining us, Randy. Welcome to the show. Oops. We may not have Randy right we now. We may not have Randy. He might be grabbing a burger. Maybe he's grabbing a him. burger. I, I already had my burger this morning. Yeah, I <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Thanks so much. Sorry about the, the little hiccup there. No worries. Um, so Randy, let's start at the beginning because it's always a good place to start. Uh, tell us about Shake Shack. Actually, nope, I'm going to pause you there. Catherine and I... I met Catherine's husband for the first time at a Shake Shack. Yeah, wait, by, by, randomly. Like, yes, in right, Washington, D.C. In Washington, right. You were there. We were there. We were walking by and, and came in. It's like, oh, there you are. Oh, hey. Hey, eating hey. at Shake Shack. This anyway, so so it is a community space. Tell us about Shake Shack. Well, I'll tell you what. You know how many cool stories like that we hear and how many people have either met at Shake Shack or gotten married because they met online That's at Shake so Shack? There's just, you know what, I think when you go back to it, it really started in 2001. We were leading uh, New York's favorite fine dining restaurants with Danny Meyer. That's Gramercy Tavern and Union Square Cafe. And we were fine dining guys. And there was a park outside our restaurants that, that needed some help. And we helped raise money. And Shake Shack literally started as a humble hot dog cart as part of an art exhibit. Uh, and for three years, we raised a little money for this park. And people would line up for our hot dogs. Um, fast forward to 2004, the hot dog cart becomes a full-time 400-square-foot kiosk named Shake Shack, um, and it explodes. So, uh, hey, Randy, can we just talk a little bit about that? I mean, just like that journey is so interesting, right? You are fine dining guys. You have a, you know, a you're known for this. You're building these these fabulous restaurants and are. You know, I know Danny, for, for folks who know Danny Meyer, is a, a real leader in, in thinking about the industry and thinking about hospitality. But it doesn't really seem like you'd be thinking about a hot dog stand. Let's do a hot dog stand. Let's do a hot dog stand. And wait a minute. Let's do a hot dog stand. And you know what? Let's create, uh, you know, this. oh, this is a model for a restaurant. And you know what? This is actually a model for a chain of restaurants that will grow around the world. Like, how does that happen? I think it sounds like a prototype. And here's the catch. The beauty of it, it was never that. It was one thing. Sell some hot dogs to raise money for a park so our community gets better, so our fine dining restaurants do better. Um, that was the only vision. And, you know, every time I talk to an entrepreneur now who says, how do we get to be like Shake Shack? I say, you don't start thinking you're going to take over the world with a prototype. You're, you do something that you're sincerely passionate, you do it great, and good things can happen. And that's what Shake Shack became. It was this, it, it was a total accident, a total accident. We never dreamed, we never wanted, we never thought there'd be a second one. And it even took almost five years before the second Shake Shack was ever born. 
even with all that success. It's so interesting on the on the heels of our last guest talking about the you know the entrepreneur's journey and getting venture capital and and the challenges there, and, you know, and and what you're saying, Randy, is you know do what you believe, do it, you know, start, see if it works. I you know the amount of people who sat in my office and said I got check this out, I got it, we're going to have 200 of these things around the world, and, and to me. To me, and that's not for everybody, but from my, my view, that's a recipe for just a lack of passion and insincerity. I, I think if you do the one thing well, and what we did is we said, whoever wrote the rule that a humble hamburger just can't be great with great ingredients, with a company whose vision and mission is to stand for something good, uh, and just do better things for the world. And, and then all of a sudden, here we are, we have 137 Shake Shacks today. And so... When, when I think about the passion, so part of, I mean, really, it was like, how do we raise money for the park? We'll do hot dogs. That, I mean, that was sort of, it was a it was a means to an end, right? It, it was, and it, it was really cool. The true story is an artist, you know, all great neighborhood turnarounds start with art. And this artist, his vision was New York taxis on stilts. And as part of an art exhibit, he said, I want hot dogs being sold under these taxis. It's wow. just like part of the art. And we did it, and we we were cooking them in 11 Madison Park private dining room kitchen. This is 11 Madison Park today is rated the number one restaurant in the world, and we were wheeling hot dogs through the <laughs> dining room, and cooking them in the private dining room kitchen. We didn't we didn't know what we were doing. We never wanted any of this. You know, we we literally never had any vision of a replicatable concept early days. So where did it go from hot dogs to burgers? I mean, they so go that hand in hand, I guess, but but yeah. it's a flip. In two thousand four, oh. when oh, we uh, when, that was good. In two thousand four, when we uh, when we built the shack, the big decision was to put this shack burger on the menu, and that was the moment where we said, you know, what happened to fast food over the last fifty, sixty years? It, it just became about price and commodity and discomfort, and, and actually, don't even come in if you could just drive around the back and then leave. That'd be what's best for us. Um, and we said. Hold on a second. People still want a great hamburger, and they want it to be great. And remember the timing. You know, we're 2004. Facebook is just born. Right. You you have never heard of a thing called the iPhone. And now all of a sudden you're lining up, and that was the moment of social media beginning, hmm. and the moment of being able to be on your BlackBerry, doing work, so you could like get out of the office for an hour and still act like you were working for the first time, shooting all those emails off. <laughs> and then this line forms, and now there's 100 people or 200 people online at Shake Shack. And, it, the, you know, the stories of that community gathering then became this special, amazing thing in the world that we've been able to now transfer to other cultures around the world. So, so Randy, you know, we on, on Dollars and Change, we, we talk about the social impact of business and, uh, you know, in a variety of ways in which that's that's manifest. You described Shake Shack as good for the world. And, you know, and imagining that there are lots of your customers who are thinking, it's good for my tummy, it's good for my taste, I'm not sure it's always good for my waistline, but God, it's delicious. How is Shake Shack good for the world? What do you mean by that? Well, it starts with our team, and it always has. You know, Danny started Enlightened Hospitality, which begins with taking care of our team. And and then we take care of our guests uh, and our communities and our suppliers and ultimately our shareholders. So we start with our team. You know, we we employ a lot of entry-level workers, right? And traditionally, nothing upsets me more than the term flipping burgers as a low form of work. 
um, we've been able to graduate hundreds and hundreds of people from entry-level jobs into leadership jobs, into taking care of families, making six figures in many cases from people who started making 9 or $10 an hour. Randy, that's uh, such an interesting point because when I think back, or probably a lot of our listeners think back, you know, flipping burgers was sort of the low end of the, the job chain, and it's something you might have done in high school. But as our economy's changed, I mean, it's not just high schoolers flipping burgers anymore. And so it's really interesting that you sort of highlight that point. Yeah, we're so proud of the way we develop leaders. I mean, we, we our term in the shacks is leaders training future leaders. Um, if you, Wherever you are in your life and you want to work here, we're going to get you to the next step. Uh, and that's that's the beginning of everything. And then I would just continue to answer your question with the way we source our products. You know, all of our proteins are no hormone, no antibiotics ever. You know, really forcing change in the supply chain. That's so many other great companies have done too, um, but it's been important to us to really lead that. Uh, and then just the way we build our restaurants as community gathering places in this shifting world where we, you know, my kids want and expect to get everything delivered to them right now, right? <laughs> we still need places to go and to be together as communities. Um, and then we also need to be really convenient for everybody who just wants a great Shack Burger. And that mix is, is an incredible thing to see. Can we can we dig a little bit more into your team? Uh, I'm an organizational psychologist. Folks in my field think a lot about how uh, how people are employed, what employment contracts look like, what the, ex- the the psychological experiences in the workplace. So, help us understand. You know, give give us the pitch of no, really, you want to work at Shake Shack. You don't, you know, over X other. You know, I I don't know if we want to name names, but other. Uh, over other fast food, fast you know, fast casual, fast casual, fast casual restaurants. Why give give us a pitch for no no no? Start at Shake Shack. Well, I think there's a few things. If you start at the entry level team who comes in, um, there's a lot of people there who have never had a job opportunity. This may be their first. They're learning to lead and train and be trained for the first time. What's the difference? I remember myself working in the shacks as often as I did in the early days. <clears throat> And sometimes just patting someone on the back was the first time they ever had a leader say, you did a really good job today. Those basics, the hard line basics, are the difference between our leaders and a lot of other places. Um, and when you then when you transfer that to the leadership that we create here, this is real work. This is a noble profession to serve other people and to lead other people. And we're super passionate about it. And we spend most of our time thinking about how to develop those leaders. You, you can open every restaurant you want. Um, that's easy for us. What's Where we spend our focus is making sure our guys are ready and trained for the next shack so that we can build the next generation of leaders. You're listening to Dollars and Change on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. This is Sirius XM 111, and we are talking to Randy Garuti, who is the CEO of Shake Shack. If you have a question for Randy, this is a great opportunity to give us a call at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. And, you know, Randy, gosh, I'm thinking about a segment that we had last week um, with the head of social impact for Starbucks. And, you know, Starbucks also focuses a lot on their employees and lets a lot of that sort of organically grow, trying to figure out what the pain points are in the communities that all of their stores are in, what their employees are facing. Uh you talked about Danny Meyer. Where do you guys find your your pieces of inspiration for your social impact activities? 
Yeah, that obviously with Danny, but I, just to hop on, I think Howard Schultz uh, is just incredible, and in what he and the team at Starbucks has done over decades has been a huge change of the world. Um, we love what those guys do. We're continuously inspired by the work that Starbucks has done and how they've done it and managed to grow their company. We also look at just other companies. Who, here's how I kind of think about it. In, in today's world, in social media, everything we do is required to be shared with everyone we know and a million people we don't all, all day, every day, right? So what is what is that change that has happened because of that? Well, millennials and everybody now today has to make good choices because they're going to share where they are. So it better be a good place. And it's, it's how, am I proud to share the bag of the place I just walked out of? Cause if I'm not, I probably won't go there cause everybody's watching me hmm. and I'm going to have to post it on Instagram. And so I think about companies like Patagonia, like the container store, like Costco, who takes care of their employees, like Whole Foods, you know, places where when I walk around with that bag, it actually says more about me than anything I could say. Mm. And I think associating with brands whose ethos you share in today's world is essential in a world of transparency and immediacy of information. So, Randy, I want to um, I want to go back for a moment to the uh, your comments about the team and and the experience of working in your in and Shake Shack because uh, you know I absolutely agree with you that the kinds of I really think you're describing leadership dynamics, interpersonal dynamics that you're talking about are really essential. Um, you know, and obviously, so is so is a living wage. And uh, I'd love to hear more about when you know when when we think. Uh, you know, as we said, flipping burgers. We don't necessarily think this is an entry-level job. We don't necessarily think this is a, you're making money that you might get anywhere near living, being able to live on. How, how do you guys think about pay? I know this. You know, I know that Danny Meyer has been thinking about this in your, your uh, you know, your fine dining restaurants. Talk to us a little bit about the nitty-gritty of the of of pay, benefits, and so on. Yeah, it's probably the largest challenge we're facing. You know, Shake Shack has always been an employer that's paid well above minimum wage and for since we started this whole thing. And if you think about what's what's happening, you know, there's very few industries that have had we're, we're basically having about a 50% forced increase in minimum wage in a 3 to 4 year period, right? Most markets of let's just talk straight minimum wage was was about $10 and now it's going to be about 15. Um so there's not a whole lot of industries that you could name that have that kind of massive change dynamic happening. So it's something we grapple with a lot, especially in our desire to always pay more than that. Um, I think what's great about it, and we're, we're proponents of taking care of our team and making sure they have a living wage. So as things go up and we're paying 13 and 14 and $15 an hour, we have to continue to evolve. And, and I, we're thrilled that our team has a better shot at a living wage uh, at those. But our goal remains to graduate you out of that wage, to get you to $17 an hour as a shift manager, to get you to $50,000 a year as a manager. Um, And that's our goal, right? There there needs to be in the world entry-level jobs. Uh, I I started making $3 an hour at a bagel shop when I I was 13 years old. Yeah. You know, these jobs have to exist, and and our businesses have to have a way to, to, to make them work. You know, the, I think the challenge of our time is automation, and but that has been a challenge, you know, since Henry Ford. So these things are always going to continue to evolve, and people are going to find more efficient, effective ways to lead a business. Um, 
And for us, it's always going to be about paying people a great wage and getting them out of that wage to do more. And Randy, I don't know if all of our listeners know, but a couple of years ago, you guys went public, correct? We did. We did. Nobody and, ever dreamed that one would, would be coming down the pike. Yeah. Well, so, you know, these types of decisions, that, you know, especially conversations about wages, you know, the pressure's on, especially as a public company. Um, do you get pressure from shareholders? Do you, you know, do you have to have difficult conversations? Without question, right? I mean, when you become a public company, there's um, there's there's a mindset that needs to be entered. What we firmly believe in, and the way I've led this company, public or not, is uh, making sure that we have a long-term perspective. You know, I won't run this company for the next quarter, even though that's really tempting. Um, I won't cut something or make a bad long-term business decision because it might be attractive for Wall Street. Um, I believe our shareholders and the people who really want to own our stock for the long term believe in and understand what got us here and want us to do more of that. Um, doesn't mean it's not pressure. It doesn't mean we don't need to grow. We need to grow. Um, but we want to grow in the ways that make sense for a great company, uh, public or not. And we often ask ourselves, hey, you know, that emotion you're feeling this morning or that decision you're about to make, would you make the same decision if you were a private company. Uh, and that's a great lens to have to force yourself through all the time. Uh, and we love it. We love the pressure and the, the insights of public. Yeah. So I, I want to, I, the, the question on my mind is a little bit uh, out of the box or shifting gears for a moment, but I'm, I was intrigued by something you said and uh, on, uh, uh, you know, your restaurants as a kind of community space, a community experience. And, uh, and you know, you're obviously paying a lot of attention to social trends. So one of the things that we hear and, and I, you know, and I, and I got to say, I think I'm seeing is the decline of retail, you know, and, and what this manifests like. You know, I went, I wanted to go shopping. I wanted to spend money recently. I went to a mall. It's like, this is really not happening. I, you know, I, I can't spend money here. It's not where I want to be. Yeah, it's not where, right. And, it, you know, but I wanted to spend money. I wanted to do, I was ready. It was like, retail therapy, let's go. Like, no, this ain't happening. So you're creating, you know, what, any, any thoughts on this? What retailers, restaurants, what do folks need to do to create spaces where people want to go these days? It's everything. Your question is everything for a future. And, and if you feel that way, imagine how my kids who are eight or nine years old. Feel. Yeah. You know, I, I think about the concept of a grocery store. And we go to grocery stores and we wheel this cart around. We take all that stuff and we put it on a conveyor belt. Somebody has to do something with it. And they put it back in a conveyor belt. Then we got to go there. You know, my kids will never do that in their life as they get older, right? That, <laughs> I don't believe that it will exist because I'm just going to go online, click on what I want, and it will be there within the next two hours. Um, so w what we believe the answer to that is we need to, the greatest brands that will survive will be those that combine great experience with ultimate convenience. Um, there will always be a need for people to go out and shop and eat. That does not go away, um, but it does shift. You know, so the community gathering place of Shake Shack that might have started in a park, we might have to figure out, not might, we are going to figure out how that feels that way in your living room if you're a person who just wants to order in Shake Shack and have it delivered. And that's a crazy change, right? It's a, it's an absolute difference. But main on main real estate will always be fantastic in our minds. We, we will always drive people to want to 
be together and come together in retail. And I think those, even, you know, clothing and other traditional retail will always need places for people to go, um, but they're going to have to change. They're going to have to be a place where you're excited to spend your time. Yeah, and Randy, I, I have to admit, I, I do this a lot on this show. I'm, I'm admittedly millennial, and I always think, yeah, you know, like, Caviar's pretty convenient. GoPuff's pretty convenient. You know, like all these delivery yeah. companies, they're really convenient. But at the end of the day, I also love walking. Like I live in Philadelphia. I live, you know, pretty centrally. And and knowing that I could pop in somewhere and maybe run into Catherine and her husband, you know, <laughs> at, Shake Shack. at Shake Shack, you know, that's really appealing to us. So I think that's a really interesting thought to to end on. So thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we've been speaking with Randy Garudi, who is the CEO of Shake Shack. Uh, Catherine, it was a fun, fun little segment. Fun little fun segment and great to hear about the, the growth of this company. Amazing. Yeah. yeah, I didn't. Thanks. I didn't. Thank you so much, Randy. I didn't know all of these things. So it's always really good to know. Um, we're going to take a short break, but stick with us. When we get back, we are going to be speaking with Betsy Mazetter, who is the chief operating officer of Green Alpha Advisors. Stick with us. This is Dollars and Change on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School on Sirius XM 111. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. Oh,